Hey everyone, good morning. City Gates and friends, my name is Toby and it's my privilege to uh, be here in this moment with you, uh, whether you are uh, online, but hopefully you are in uh, one of our in-person gatherings. Uh, and uh, today I'm gonna be preaching through and kicking off our series called Wonderful. Uh, it's based off of Isaiah chapter nine, where there is this uh, future forward-looking prediction, uh, prophecy of a child who would come and make wrong things right. And of course, we are in the season um, of Christmas and specifically Advent. Uh, if you're not familiar, uh, Advent is really what we mark in the calendar as Christians the weeks leading up to Christmas. Uh, Advent literally means arrival. I, I think it's, it has a, a Latin, Latin roots. Um, arrival. And it is a reminder that uh, there were generations and generations where they were waiting for this promised King, Messiah, and of course he came, but we actually now continue this sense of waiting and longing and arrival of his second coming, even while remembering his first. So that's what we're gonna do today. We're gonna be in Isaiah a little bit, but actually the, the bulk of our time is gonna be spent uh, in the Gospel of Mark. So uh, if you have your Bibles, if you have your uh, physical Bibles or uh, a digital one, uh, you can turn to Mark chapter one. Uh, we're gonna be reading verses one to eight. Now I know, having been in a few in-person gatherings, you know, there's kind of like a race and you hear uh, papers flip. So let me give you a moment. As, as you find Mark uh, in the New Testament, so in the latter half of the Bible, I'll tell you a little story. Last week, I was uh, leading our moment of confession at the waypoint, and uh, I shared there uh, how, or rather I confessed, as you know, one does during times of confession, um, that um, I had been a little grumpy uh, over the last few weeks, and the source of that grumpiness was was knowing and hearing uh, over and over again how uh, my children who are in public school, you know, are learning about a whole um, host of celebrations from different religions, uh, different cultures. Um, they've learned a lot over the years about Hanukkah, about uh, Diwali, about um, Taipungal, there's, there's more, and nothing wrong with that. Uh, a great that we live in a place, a society, a culture uh, that can teach these things uh, in public school, but my frustration was growing because I knew that Christmas was a no-go. So much so that one of my kids came back and said, hey dad, I'm learning about Chinese New Year. And um, I'm, I'm Chinese, okay? I, I don't, I, I know, here's what I do know about Chinese New Year. It's next, it's like two months from now. And uh, you know, there's a pretty big celebration uh, in between, but, but I just, you just knew that is a no-go. We, we, we don't talk about Christmas uh, or Jesus. And, uh, you know, I, I was thinking about that. And, you know, w what is it that I want? What is it that you would want to be spoken of in public schools? I mean, is it just that, um, you know, a poster on the door or a, a lesson and a coloring page would do? And the answer is is no, actually. That that wouldn't really be satisfactory. Because here's, here's what uh, we as... Uh, Christians, as Christ followers, believe about Christmas. We believe that in the birth of Jesus, he literally separates and divides history. He, he does. And actually, in him, 
though we remember him as a child in him and through him, this is the one who created everything. And, and if you know many things, if you have um, PhDs and degrees and you have all sorts of knowledge, but you don't know him, then you have nothing. And if you are counted among the richest people in the world, if you're an Elon Musk or you're Jeff Bezos, where everyone or seemingly everyone is buying stuff off your website and you are counting your millions, if you have everything, but you don't have Jesus, you have nothing. That is uh, our conviction as Christians. And, and actually, just a little quick update. Uh, one of my you know, um, kids came back and said, hey, we are learning about Christmas. I said, great. And then I said, hold on, wait a minute, which Christmas? And he said, oh, the Santa, the Santa Christmas. That's, that's the one. That's the acceptable one. But that's not what we're talking about. And in light of this, I want to, us to turn to Mark. Uh, so let me read. I'm going to read uh, the first eight verses of Mark. Uh, This is uh, the English Standard Version, and we'll go on from there. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem uh, were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. We're going to be focusing on just uh, the first few verses. What is happening here? I mean, first of all, you might think, hold on. I, I don't know. I, maybe I don't know a lot about the Bible, but I know this is, this is not like the Christmas story. And, and you're right. There are four accounts of Jesus' life, uh, Matthew, Mark, uh, number second in our Bibles, Luke, and then John. Matthew and Luke are the ones who really focus around the birth of Jesus, um, the, the the wise men, the kings, uh, the shepherds, all you know, the, the nativity scenes. Perhaps you've seen around, or you you have yourself uh, really draw from those two books. So, what are we doing here? Well, just in these first few verses, if we look and we look carefully. Mark is telling us something very particular about who this Jesus is. And he does so by referencing, uh, referencing uh, Old Testament prophecies. And uh, if you've been with us, uh, we've been in uh, the letter of 2 Peter. And, and interestingly, Peter, uh, from uh, church history, we, we know that he's actually most likely the source uh, for Mark's account. He's, he's the eyewitness to, uh, that Mark accounts to. And Peter has been encouraging us in this letter to actually to look back at, at the prophecies, look back at the Old Testament, look back at the scriptures that Paul and others write, look back and see for yourself who this Jesus is. And, and that's exactly what Mark does. He says 
right away that as it is written uh, in Isaiah the prophet, he, he actually mashes up together a, a few different prophecies. And we're going to look at each one in turn and to see what they are about and what they mean. And the first one we're actually going to turn to is not Isaiah, but Malachi. And if, if you have a physical Bible, by the way, uh, a good reason to have a physical Bible is, is really to, to get a sense of where things are, because Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. Uh, it's part of a group of what we call minor prophets, minor in the sense of uh, the quantity they wrote, which was uh, much less than the major prophets. Uh, Isaiah, uh, we will look at, um, you know, is 66 chapters, very long. If we just turn just a few pages here, so uh, if you're flipping, you want to get past Matthew. And as you get past Matthew, you probably are going to miss Malachi because it's just about four chapters, maybe two pages in your Bible. And uh, if you see someone around you who does not have a physical Bible, maybe this is uh, the gift that you can give them for Christmas. Um, but Malachi, as you can see here, the New Testament, and then is Malachi. We're going to be reading um, from uh, the end of chapter 2, 2 verse 17, and just into chapter 3. And you will hear uh, where and what Mark is drawing from. He says this, You have wearied the Lord with your words, but you say, How have we wearied him? By saying, Everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them. Or by asking, where is the God of justice? Do these questions sound familiar? They are uh, the, the warning Peter gives us, in, even in the New Testament, hundreds of years later. This was probably written uh, in the 400s before Christ, where um, you know Israel, they've returned to the land, they've built uh, the second temple, but it is nothing in comparison to the first one that Solomon built that was burned down and ruined. And they are struggling as a nation. They are uh, just this little tiny outpost. Uh, I believe Persia is the power, the, the kind of power, the regional power at the time. And they are struggling. They're saying, where is God? We, we, we have this temple, but where is he? And this is what where it continues in uh, 3 verse 1. It says this, Behold, I send my messenger. And he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord, whom you seek, will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. He is coming. So a few hundred years before the time where Jesus arrives, there is this sense of looking towards you know, this question of where is God? And, and God gives them this word. He says, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm coming. And, and I'm going to send my messenger before me. And if we look uh, at chapter 4, the end of chapter 4, these are the very last words before the New Testament. It says this, chapter 4, verse, four, verse 5, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of their children to the fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree and utter destruction. And we know uh, in the rest of the New Testament, Jesus himself points to John. He's saying, John was the Elijah that came and, and you didn't hear him. You didn't heed his warning. That's Malachi. But there's also Isaiah, which Mark references. So in your Bibles, we're going to actually turn to Isaiah 
which is, like I said, the, the first of the major prophets, um, 66 chapters, uh, three distinct kinds of sections uh, addressing different times, and into um, Isaiah 40. We're going to read Isaiah 40, verse 3, and again, you want listen out for uh, Mark's reference of Isaiah chapter 40. This uh, chapter really starts off a whole section where, as you can see, the first words here are comfort. There has been judgment. Uh, there's been a real judgment through different nations. This is more dated around, or the first section around uh, the 700, so 800, or sorry, 8th century. So many years before the passage we just read. Uh, but this is what verse 3, actually, you know what? Let's, let's read, um, we're going to read from verse 1 to verse 5. He says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is parted, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. And here's this, uh, verse 3. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain and hill made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all, excuse me, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Look at verse 3. In the wilderness, in the desert, the um, Exodus experience, so uh, important, so fundamental to the story of Israel, happened in the wilderness as they left Egypt. And it says here, in the wilderness, back in the wilderness again, it says, prepare the way of who? The Lord. And when you see uh, these small caps, it's, it's, it, it means that underneath the Hebrew is, is the name of God, Yahweh, this, the, the, the name that, 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 means like, that, uh, that refers to God revealing his name as I am. I am that I am. I am self-sufficient. I am self-contained. None of us can say I am. I can't say I am that I am. I, I, I depend on so much. God alone says I am that I am. And that's, that's what is behind the name of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for a God. See, um, along with this uh, investigative work as we're doing into the uh, prophets that Mark references, what we have to do is a little math. I know it's Sunday morning for most of us, but a little math. You see, Mark wants us to see who he's talking about here in these first uh, verses. See, he starts off by saying, Behold, I send my messenger before you. Who is this messenger? It's clear, as we read uh, into, the, into the Gospel of Mark, that this messenger is John. Messenger equals John. All right, that, that's, that's as mathy as I go. An equation. Messenger is John. And so here's, here's, here's the question. I know I, maybe it seems obvious because you know that answer. Who is the Lord? Who is the Lord he speaks of that we need to make his path straight? Who is the Lord that Malachi speaks of who is going to return to his temple? Who is the Lord as in uh, Yahweh, Lord and God who is coming. Who, who is that? That is Jesus. 
That is Jesus. What Mark is telling us in the first few verses that Jesus, the one you're going to read about and in, in throughout the Gospels and in the season where we think about Jesus as, as, a, as an infant, as a child, this Jesus is the Lord. He is Yahweh. He is mighty God. He is God incarnate. He is God in the flesh. This is what Christmas and Advent is about. Yes, we expect uh, and, and, and consider, you know, um, we've seen, uh, we were uh, recently at a, a nativity, uh, not nativity, an Advent thing where, you know, where there are all these um, nativity scenes and, 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 that, and that was helpful to see, you know, all the different kinds of, you know, toys and uh, uh, sculptures and mangers and, and Jesus lying there and Mary and Joseph. But, but we, we can't get stuck here. We can't get stuck here because this is God. You see, in this time of Advent, which again literally means arrival, uh, what we need most, what we need most is not more of ourselves or more of the world bending to our will. Uh, we need the God of God and the Lord of Lords, the Prince of Peace. We need God himself to show up. We need less of us and more of him. And, and this flies uh, in the face of where our world is going. We um, were, uh, there's an article in the Gospel Coalition uh, that you know, helped us think about these things. Um, in this article, it referenced this book um, by David Kinnaman, Gabe Lyons, that's called Good Faith. Being a Christian when study things you're relevant and extreme, and they um, quoted, they they cited these numbers. They said, now these these are uh, United States American statistics, but it says this: 84% of Americans believe that quote enjoying yourself is the highest goal of life. 86% believe that to enjoy yourself you must quote pursue the things you desire most, and get this 91% from the statement. To find yourself, look within yourself. And this kind of new religion, as it were, is, is, is right here with us. It's uh, creeped into the church and churches. You know, we've been in Second Peter where he's, he's been warning us to look out, look out for false teachers, look out for these things. And of course, the challenge with it is there's, there's some truth to it. God is for us. But he's not for us in our carnal desires. Um, Dean and Sarah, he read he, uh, this book he's written recently called Getting Over Yourself, Training Belief in Your Self-Religion for Christ-Centered Christianity. And he highlights the Instagramification of Christianity. Maybe, um, maybe you've seen uh, some of these kinds of uh, slick uh, well-produced churches and, and, and quotes and there may be some Bible quotes, but other, other ones. Have you heard this one before? God is, quote, in my corner, wanting to give me, quote, a breakthrough. Dream, quote, God-sized dreams. You know, there's a vision and a destiny and, and it's all about reaching your true potential. And here's what um, Dane, Dean and Sarah says. We can turn legitimate confidence in our victory in Christ into the idea that God wants us to walk in earthly victory as we define it for ourselves. In the article, um, uh, it says one of the six commandments uh, of our new world religion is this, 
You are sovereign, so flex your omnipotence and behind the universe around your dreams and desires. Hashtag live your truth. And what we see in Mark, in Malachi, in Isaiah, that, that no, 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 you and I, we are not sovereign, but this Messiah, this promised child to come, Jesus, he is. And when he arrived, he got to flex. You know, there was a moment where Jesus did go uh, arrive in the temple and he rearranged some things. He was not happy. He was angered by what was happening in the temple. You see, if we are just stuck in this idea of it's all about me, even through this time of Christmas, may, and, and, and maybe we can't help to think the things we want and the things we long for and, and, and maybe the things we miss. But what we need is actually a reminder that God has showed up. God is showing up. And we are, again, waiting in expectancy for his second coming. But he is even here now. And when he comes, he gets to rearrange things. You know, we are um, at maybe at the end of this year, you are um, uh, looking to, you know, rearrange or close up and, and finish up your financials and you're uh, tidying up your home uh, and, and you're kind of doing end of year things. Maybe you're even already looking towards 2022 and the goals you need to set and the plans you need to make. And this is a reminder that when God is at the center, he gets to call the shots. When God is big, when God flexes, he gets to say what happens and, and we need to submit. It is not just about us. Uh, one of the tools that we have been encouraging to use is uh, an Advent uh, devotional uh, called Wonder. And um, you could uh, download the app and have, listen along to the parts of scripture. Um, there's a PDF which um, I've, you know, I've printed old school and this is, sits on our um, dining table. Um, and, and I just want to commend it to you. If you haven't looked at that yet, um, the PDF, of course, you can read on your phone or whatever. Um, it really, really fantastic, engaging writing that's really um, helping me and, and to, to reflect. Uh, and here is what uh, they wrote on Wednesday. So not too late, you can hop in. Uh, there's uh, devotionals each day. But this past Wednesday, I said this, if we focus... Uh, if we only focus on the birth of Christ, Advent becomes nothing more than a historic curiosity of interest to a select few, yet easily ignored and dismissed by the masses. At the same time, if Jesus is nothing more than a, a generalized idea of virtue and morality without any grounding in his life and teaching, he is easily misconstrued to, to, and made to fit an endless list of ever-evolving philosophies. Jesus, that says, can be neither relegated to the history books nor conformed to the spirit of the age. And so let us remember and reflect upon the birth of Christ in the major, not as a distant reality, but as the abiding reality of God with us, now and forever. This is what we want to remember in this season of Advent, in the weeks leading up to Christmas. Uh, but I don't, I don't want to leave it there, of this God thundering in your lives, because, because in reality, the picture that Scripture leaves us with is, in fact, there is a God who has come, of all things, as an infant. So turn with me to um, Isaiah 9. So we're back in Isaiah uh, towards kind of the center of the Bible, if you have a physical one. 
And as I mentioned, Isaiah, which is, which is quite long and quite lengthy, the first uh, 39 chapters are really focused on uh, the historical events around the 8th century. Isaiah, as he is a prophet in the, in the court of um, the kingdom of Judah. So this is the southern kingdom. Israel uh, has been broken up into two kingdoms uh, after Solomon. And what's happening here actually in the first part of Isaiah <clears throat> is that the northern kingdom, uh, you know, a brother, you would say, to Judah, has actually teamed up with Syria, and they, they're going to gang up, and they're going to take Judah out, right? So that's, that's what's happening there. And uh, King Ahaz, who is on the throne at the time, he's freaking out. He doesn't know what to do. He's lost faith in God. And in this situation, Isaiah actually, earlier in chapter 7, says, says no, 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 don't, don't do that. Uh, ask for a sign. Ask for any sign. And, and in a kind of maybe a perceived humility, he asks, no, no, I, I can't ask for a sign. And uh, Isaiah, God through Isaiah says, no, I'll give you a sign. There is going to be a virgin birth of this child. And this is going to be the promise to you that I'm going to show up. I'm, I'm going to be there. Actually, these kingdoms, these other two kingdoms, uh, is northern Israel and um, Assyria, they're going to be wiped out. And you're going to see what I'm going to do. And then in chapter 9, as we'll read, um, more information uh, comes about this child. You know, I'm going to read from uh, chapter 9, verses 1 to 7. It says uh, this, But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the late latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. Verse 2, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they are when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of this burden and the staff of his shoulder, uh, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling were in battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. And here's verse six, it says this, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness. And from, the, and from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. It could be that in some way it was fulfilled, uh, certainly not fully in the time of Isaiah. But what we do know, this is looking way ahead. It is looking way beyond the 8th century. It's looking ahead at this child. Now just, just think, think about a moment. Um, you know, children don't belong in... Um, you know, parliamentary buildings and uh, royal courts. They don't belong in the discussion of, you know, geopolitical warfare. And yet in the midst of this, what Isaiah tells us, what God is doing through Isaiah is that actually, no, there, 
the sign is, 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 is not like the extra army that's coming in. Uh, the sign is going to be this child. And, and what we know about this child is even more uh, mysterious and amazing and, 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 and mind-blowing because it says in verse 6, he shall be called, and he, and he lists off these four things, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. One uh, commentary notes that all, all these things are, are divine in nature. See, that word wonderful means, um, what does it mean again? Ah, let me, let me see. Uh, wonderful uh, means supernatural, or, or some commentaries even note that it is incomprehensible. It is, it is beyond us, this council. Again, uh, the, the dwell uh, devotional in its introduction says this, wonder draws us out of ourselves and into that which is beyond comprehension or explanation. It reframes and reshapes the realities of our lives, refusing to leave us the same as we once were. It may only last a moment, yet its impact on our lives cannot be overstated. What um, I want to do as we, we finish our time is, is to um, lead us into a time of wonder. And you know, I was thinking, you know, there, we, we've talked about these two, two different ways. On, on the one hand, there's a sense of God, the Lord, mighty God himself coming, arriving in the temple, busting through the doors and, and flexing. And, and, and we need to get a sense of that. I don't know if you've had a moment where um, you've uh, perhaps seen an, an animal on like a hiking trail that you, you didn't want to see, like whether it's a bear or a snake or something. And, 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 and your body does something, right? It, it, it freezes. And, and there's something that, that happens to us when we are in the presence of something dangerous or something great or something mighty. But then think about it the other way, you know, think about um, a, a child holding a child, especially those, um, you know, ones who are just a few days old, like they're just all over, they're flopping all over the place. And, and you, you suddenly become very aware of how your, your body is because you need to support their head. And, and then you, 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 you're at this distance where you can look uh, in their face. We need both of these. Uh, we need both of these in this season. We need the sense of Almighty God. And maybe you uh, need to surrender to Him anew. You need him to show up. You need him to rearrange things. And you need to surrender the life that perhaps you have been planning and in motion with. Uh, but it hasn't quite worked out where it should have been. Well, maybe you need mighty God to come. Maybe, maybe you need a sense of his tenderness, his, his coming as a vulnerable child and and to look into the eyes of a child and to somehow see Jesus who is also everlasting Father, a wonderful counselor, he, who is supernatural in the counsel that he gives. He is the Prince of Peace. And so, um, especially if you are um, at an in-person gathering, our hosts there, um, our worship leaders there, perhaps... Um, we can have a moment where we um, take the time 
to be aware of our physical posture as a response to how uh, God through the Holy Spirit is speaking to you now. And maybe there's time for a song, uh, time for prayer uh, and commission, uh, but to really sense his presence with you, whether it's mighty God or as a child, uh, he is both. He is both lion, he is both lamb, and he knows exactly what we need. So uh, would you do that and be blessed.